values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. The economy on the minds of so many people in America. The headline this morning, if you're working a 65-hour work week just to make ends meet, welcome to Phoenix. Other big things in the news and some concerning things happening in the economy. So we asked Kristen Bentz to join us. She is the CEO of KB Advisory Group here in the Valley, but uh, internationally known in the business as a frequent guest on Fox News and all the business channels. Uh, she joins us now. Kristen, you and I were texting this weekend, and you've seen some um, what you thought are concerning things that are happening. What are they and why are they concerning you? Well, you know, on top of this inflationary environment that we have across the board, you're seeing a lot more food inflation. You saw these CPI numbers last weekend that were not good. And everyday things, so people really don't pay attention to CPI until they're in the checkout line at the grocery store, until they're filling up their car, until they're trying to get on a flight. So we're seeing immense shortages happening. Um, I talked about the orange shortage that's coming up as a result of Hurricane Ian. Now we have a tomato shortage that's happening out in California because of their droughts. And then, of course, just in time for holiday baking season, we're going to have a butter shortage. So all these things are kind of culminating at, you know, the worst of all possible times. So when you when you see these things are happening the way they are and you couple that with some of the things that's happening with online shopping right now, what what is this telling you? Is this is this telling you this is not a short term thing? This is more of a long term effect. Well, you know, I want to make a joke about, you know, transitory inflation and transitory recessions, um, as our administration is wont to say. Um, yeah. So when I look at data across the board and I look at consumer behavior and that's what I do for a living, you look at things like you and I discussed about Amazon Prime, right? They're offering a, a lower you know, membership rate for people that are on SNAP benefits or food stamps. And now they're also offering layaway. When I see those things, what that tells me is Amazon is not betting big on the upper class consumer. They're betting big on a recession and a lower end consumer. And that's scary. So I want to ask you a question because this is your world. Uh, the story that we pulled this morning, the era of free returns may be coming to an end. Here's why retailers have started charging return fees. What does this do to the industry, especially for online purchases? Oh, my gosh. So it's already struggling. And we're coming off of this kind of COVID high where everyone was purchasing everything possible on the Internet and getting it delivered. And so now, you know, that that sugar high is over. People want to get back to the stores, but department stores are suffering and clothing in particular is suffering. So retailers, everybody's got to make their big, right? So they're going to start charging you to return all this merchandise because it takes time to process that. And if you've ever tried to return something online, Mike Broomhead, because I know you're now a big Internet shopper. Yes, I am. You know, it takes like it takes like <laughs> 20 clicks to get something returned. And then there's a sticker and then the UPS guy and you have to deal with all of that. It's also drama for the um, retailer to take it back. So now they're just going to charge you. And not only are they going to charge you, they're just going to say, go ahead and keep it. <laughs> they're done. Retailers are done with us. Isn't it so weird? Isn't, now you can just keep it. Isn't that strange? I had I had something sent to my house once. This is kind of off topic. I got a package at my house, and I opened it because I thought it was for me. I didn't look at the label. And it was a pair of really nice Nike shoes, brand new, obviously very expensive Nike sneakers. And they weren't for me, so I looked on the thing. It was a FedEx delivered, and I called FedEx, and I said, you guys accidentally sent this to my house. They asked me if I was willing to drive to a FedEx store and drop it off, and I said <laughs> no. And then the woman said, well, just keep it. I said, well, they're not my shoes. It's easier for them to say keep it sometimes, right? 
Oh, it absolutely is because the amount of manpower and time that it takes on payroll to process those, they'd rather have you keep it. Now, Mike Broomhead, had you called me, I would have discovered if those were Nike dunks or not, and we could have had a little transaction well, there. So well, here's an opportunity. Just so, just so everybody understands, I did not keep the shoes. I found the person. <laughs> on, I found the person on Facebook. They lived the same street number, but not the same street name. Two streets away, I got a hold of them on Facebook. They came to the house and picked up their shoes. That's kind of stocky, but well, listen, admirable. I didn't. I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to keep the guy's shoes. Besides, <laughs> they were the wrong size. <laughs> Isn't this a riveting conversation? <laughs> yes, but but well, but it's all kind of the uh, a sign of the time. So, what do you believe is going to happen with this? Are people going to buy less and make sure they're buying the right size, or are they going to not return it? Are they going to just keep them? Oh my God! Never underestimate the laziness of the American consumer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> people are just going to keep it. Okay. <laughs> When you see the totality of what's happening, I know we've talked about this um, at length uh, off the air. When you see us sprinting toward the holidays, you are 100% right about the electronic sales and the things that are happening. So they're trying to capture your dollar now. What do you think we're going to be talking about in January as far as uh, retail sales, getting companies back in the black, or is it just going to be dismal? I think you're, well, here's the thing, you know, people will always spend, it's just, what are they spending on? So your share of wallet right now is really being, you know, divided by household expenses, like food and rents and, you know, um, utilities, as opposed to like, you know, decorating your house and buying all this stuff for Christmas, et cetera. So I think it's going to be a flat holiday season, a lackluster holiday season. And then in January, Remember, you have to look at the holiday season. It used to be November and December together, and that's how you would gauge it. Now it's really October through January because you're going to have all those bounce back sales and gift card sales and redemptions in January. So I think you're going to see even more fire sale deals um, depending on if retailers can clear this inventory that they're trying to do right now. All right, I have one more question for you. Uh, the headline is ocean freight rates are down. So it was a record to get to the U.S. West Coast from Asia. Um, it was at one point over $20,500 to get something shipped across the ocean. Now this Friday, the container freight rate was $2,700. Is that going to start easing prices now that shipping costs are down, or is this not a big enough thing to make that big of a difference? Well, it's kind of like, you know, gasoline prices, right? It dips, but it really doesn't flow through for about six to eight weeks to the consumer. So this is great for retail, but guess what's looming in the foreground? The railroad strike. So that's great that they can use ocean freight again. But what happens when we have a rail strike and you can't get that product from those ports across the country? So it's like we're chasing our tail consistently. Uh, you are always full of great, great news, Kristen. <laughs> if people, if people want to, you know, for such a for such a happy person, it is just it is always so dismal when I talk to you. But you make me smile anyway. I don't know how you pull that off. If people want to follow, effects on men, Mike, as yeah, you know. Let's uh, let's um, let's tell people how to follow you on in, on on uh, social media because I, I tell everybody you're a great follow. You're full of great information, and you're really funny on social. I love your snark on social media. As well. <laughs> Why, thank you. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter at Kristen Bentz, and that's two I's and one E. And on Instagram, you can follow me at Kristen C. Bentz. No spaces, no dashes, no anything. There's no official Kristen Bentz. It's just Kristen C. Bentz at Instagram. And uh, Bentz is spelled B E N T Z. B E N T Z. As always, Kristen, it's great to talk to you, and I look forward to doing it again. Thank you.
Thanks so much, Mike. Have a great Monday. You too. That is Kristen Benz, KB Advisory Group. Coming up in just a moment, should gun owners be required to carry insurance? We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. You can help make a difference in our community by texting ACTION to 411-923 and join Broomhead's Action Alliance. Learn more about upcoming volunteer opportunities in our community. I'll even send you an Action Alliance t-shirt while supplies last. Just text the word ACTION to 411-923. Um... The administration is has been touting, and I, I, I don't. I believe them with their intent. I don't believe they're ill-intentioned. But we continue to hear from the president and from that political party that they are for the middle class, that they are for the working class, that they are always fighting, and it's always about tax the rich. It's always about making sure that the rich pay their fair share because they're fighting for the working class. So the direction I'm going right now doesn't sound like we should be talking about this, but hear me out. New Jersey bill would require concealed weapon holders to carry insurance. Now, A, that's not the federal government. You're absolutely right, although they support this. So here's the premise. People seeking concealed weapons permits in New Jersey would have to obtain insurance for their firearms under a proposal introduced Thursday by the Democratic leaders of the state legislature. If passed, would make New Jersey the first state with such a requirement. So – this is obviously going – it's kind of the gun control thing. It's a step in that direction. So what does this have to do with taxes? It has nothing to do directly with taxes, but what it does is it affects working-class Americans who own firearms. Now, um, I own a few. Let's just leave it at that. I own a few firearms, more than a few. So imagine if I had to have insurance – Because I have a concealed carry permit. In the state of Arizona, it's not required. In Arizona, if you legally own a firearm, you can conceal it where allowed. You know, if a business has a right to say no weapons, and even though they're not searching you when you come in the door, you're not supposed to have a weapon when you go into that establishment. But in general, generally speaking, you if you own a firearm in Arizona legally, a handgun, you can conceal it. And it's perfectly within the law. And we are no less safe than any other place in the country that has I would say hugely restrictive uh, concealed carry uh, laws in place. But that's a different conversation. But imagine if I had to have insurance for every firearm I owned because I have a concealed carry permit. Now, I, again, I live alone. My kids are grown. So I, I have I have a little bit more discretionary income than I had at other points in my life. That's obviously true. But what about working class Americans? What about people that are during this inflationary time barely uh, making ends meet? Do you mean to tell me that they're going to have to give up their firearms or their concealed carry permit in New Jersey? I mean, it's it's absurd. What this does is it always strains the working class. And if you want to have this argument, we should. If you say, well, if you're going to carry a firearm, you should have insurance. Really? What about the criminal that carries a concealed? I'm not dangerous with a firearm. I want you to understand that if you and I are together in public, chances are I'm armed. You're not in danger. No one is in danger unless a life-threatening situation happens. I'm 55 years old. The vast majority of my adult life, I've owned firearms. 
I've never brandished a firearm on a human being. Never. And I never want to. So the idea that you are going to solve a problem, again, by putting limitations and requirements on legal law-abiding gun owners is never going to solve a gun problem. Never has and it never will. So they're going to make the argument, well, it just makes sense. If you're a legal gun owner, you should have to have insurance in case something happens. Oh, like what? What is, how does this stop the maniacs? How does this stop the people that shoot up the place? If you look at the gun crime rates in places like Chicago, very restrictive gun laws, Washington, D.C., very restrictive gun laws, Los Angeles, California, all over the state of California, very restrictive gun laws. Doesn't make a difference, does it? Doesn't make a difference. In New York City and Times Square, they're putting up signs that say this is a gun-free zone as if that's going to solve a problem. It's going to do nothing. That's like, again, that's like my hometown of Fort Myers, Florida, putting up a hurricane-free zone sign on the beach. Doesn't stop anything. Looks good. Doesn't stop anything. So in New Jersey, they believe this is a way. To slow down gun crimes. And what it's going to do is so I own, you know, again, is I own multiple firearms. Am I going to be required to insure every single firearm? What does that do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so someone makes the argument. What about automobile insurance? You have to insure every vehicle you drive. Everybody has to do that. And if you don't, you're breaking the law and they take your license away from you. But driving is a privilege. Owning a firearm is a right, a protected right. This is nothing less than an attack on your rights. It's one more step in trying to get at the Second Amendment. Reduce the number of people that are doing this. In New York, they're fighting about whether or not you can even get a concealed carry permit. The Supreme Court said you can't say you can't decide whether or not somebody deserves one. You can set requirements, but you got to give people the, the permits. And we're, we continue to watch people go after the legal gun owners as if somehow an illegal gun owner, someone that is a criminal, that's got a gun hidden in their pants or under the seat of their car or anywhere else that's going to commit a crime with it is now all of a sudden going to say, well, I got to put my gun away. I don't have insurance. What it does is it's one more one more hurdle, one more reason why, one more difficult thing for a reasonable legal gun owner to exercise their Second Amendment rights when they are not the people that are the problem in the first place. What we're going to do coming up in just a few moments is our good buddy Ron Wolfley joins us, and we have our bird's eye view segment of the show. All that's coming up next. Broomhead talks Cardinals with color analyst and former Cards fullback Ron Wolfley. Oh, my digging the chili of what the Cardinals are mixing up. Bird's Eye View, brought to you by AZ Valley Windows, Arizona's most trusted window replacement company since 2004. We got to stop meeting like this, Wolf. Yes, we do. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened yesterday. Um, uh, I'm going to make a comment. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat. Wrong. Wrong. Okay. Yes. Yeah, right. you listen, bro. Bro, um, you got a guy who just signed a five-year extension. Is that what it is? I think um, so. 
Yeah, I don't think he's actually on the hot seat right now. I think his offense is on the hot seat. There's no doubt about that. But, um, yeah, I think talking about Cliff Kingsbury being on the hot seat is uh, a non sequitur. So would you, after what happened in Carolina, they've got $40 million on the table, I think is what they still owe their coach, but they got rid of him. Uh, that's why I think the noise is happening that if that, you know, when one domino falls, the others follow. But yeah, but you don't think so in this case. No, I don't, as a matter of fact. And, you know, if Matt Rule had won five games and then eight games and 11 games and went to the playoffs as well, I think it might be a completely different story. Um, But that was not the case, and every coach in every situation is different unto itself. And certainly, you know, once again, Cliff Kingsbury has um, uh, proven that he can be a head coach and get your team to the playoffs. He did that last year. We all know about the collapse. I understand it. But right now, he's got an offense that is underperforming at a historic level as far as I'm concerned. I can't I can't remember an offense that was so talented that underperformed to this degree. And and you couple that with a defense that was supposed to be the weak point of this team that is playing so well over the last few weeks. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it, man. This defense has been a surprise. Um, they had so many young guys that had to get better. We're, we've been talking about this now, bro, you and I. Yeah. We've been talking about the exact same situation for weeks, months, as a matter of fact, right now, based on how this team has played. The defense has gone out and played like the strength of this team, yet the offense is loaded with talent and has gone out and not been the strength of this team, the way that we all thought it was going to be. Kyler Murray, you know how I felt about Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a guy that I think has played more consistently than anyone else on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not saying he's played great. I'm not saying he played good. I'm talking about consistently, consistent effort from Kyler Murray. Everyone else has been a little up and down when I watch him on tape, including the offensive line, and that was on display yesterday. Kyler wasn't getting an awful lot of help, but I will tell you that I thought Kyler played his worst game so far this season. Is it a snowball effect? I mean, you know, it's six sacks given. I was at six sacks that he took in the game, but when you yes. when you get beat up to this point, when you start, when it, does it does it start to grind on you a little bit, and it gets into your psyche because they just it wasn't just that they looked ill prepared. It looked like they were just kind of out of gas, like they just weren't into it. The effort level wasn't there. Dropped balls, and the offensive line looked a step behind. It's almost as if they're getting beat down emotionally as well. Yeah, I I have a hard time believing that this early in the season you're going to be beat down emotionally right now. The Seattle Seahawks, their defense, if you watch them on tape, um, they have poor gap integrity across the line of scrimmage. They have poor tackling on every level, the line of scrimmage, the second level, and the third level, and the secondary. They have a hard time tackling. This defense for the Seahawks was giving up Um, more yards per game than anyone in the National Football League, more yards per play than anyone in the National Football League, and they were number 31 in points allowed, giving up almost 31 points a game. 
and your offense went out there and did what they should have. They went right down the field on the first possession. That was great to see. They got off to a good start. Kyler Murray was running. Kyler Murray was throwing the ball. They They were moving the chains, went down and kicked the field goal. And suddenly it was the first three points they had scored all season long in the first quarter. And you felt like, okay, here they go. Uh, here they go. This is, we, we've, got, we've, we've got that monkey off our back. Now all of a sudden we're going to start playing with a lot more consistency. That was not the case. And if you're struggling to score points against the Seattle Seahawks, man, at some point in time you've got to take a hard, hard look at yourself in the mirror. So is it, um, is it execution? Is it scheme? Or is it a combination of the two that are the problem for this offense? I think it's a combination of everything right now. They they look disjointed to me. They do. Um, you know, again, I think they need to take Kyler Murray. There is a fix for this offense. They need to put him under center a little bit more than what we have seen so far. They need to run bootlegs and try to get him out, I think, on the perimeter. They need play action. They need to run the stretch play with him under center, a package. Have a package of that. Blend the shotgun with under center. Blend the pistol with shotgun and under center. Blend it all. Do it all, I think. Get DeAndre Hopkins back, which they are going to do, of course, coming up this Thursday, playing the Saints. He'll be back. Hollywood Brown, if you get D-Hop and Hollywood Brown together and you get some of these other guys healthy again, their offensive line is a mess. Okay, Rodney Hudson did not play yesterday again. Justin Pugh, when Justin Pugh, the left guard, went out of that game, it changed everything for the Arizona Cardinals. They struggled from that point forward. They've got to get guys healthy. James Conner, of course, didn't play. And now Hollywood's all banged up. So, man, at some point in time, they've got to get D-Hop back. Obviously, that's going to be this week. They've got to get this team healthy, and they've got to put Kyler Murray more under center. There's a fix for me. Let's talk about the kicking situation. What's, what's going to happen there, do you think? Oh, man. Yeah, I know. That's, that also was perplexing right there. I think Matt Prater is going to be good to go this week, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. Nobody's told me that, but I, that's just my own guess. He's going to be okay to go this week, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Wolf, uh, it, it's it's tough. Uh, from someone that's been in your position before, that's why I like your wealth of information or knowledge in this because you've been in these locker rooms where this is happening to a team where it seems like they can't get it together. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you've got guys like J.J. Watt. On the offensive side of the ball, who is it that stands up and says, we have to be better no matter what's going on around us? Is there someone in that locker room that is that team leader that says no more yeah. of this? Who is it? Yeah, there, there's a handful of guys, I think, offensively. I think Kyler Murray's one of those guys offensively. You're, you're asking me if somebody's going to lead, right? Yes. That's what you're asking me. Well, listen, you got to do before you can say. And I think Kyler Murray has done that. Now, he's not one of these guys that's going to stand up and be a rah-rah guy, but he's done an awful lot. James Conner is another guy. Rodney Hudson is another guy. Justin Pugh is another guy. Kelvin Beecham. They've got guys 
that are grizzled veterans in this game. DeAndre Hopkins coming back. D-Hop is a big leader offensively for this team. So it's hard to lead when you're not playing, and especially when you're not allowed to be around the team. Now all of a sudden he's going to be back today. And he's going to play this Thursday, and that's going to be a big lift for this team emotionally, I think, because of that leadership, because he's the guy that will stand up and say exactly what it is that you are intimating. But um, they've got leadership on the offensive side of the ball. There's no denying that. What they need is to go out and play with continuity yeah. and play together, and they're not doing that. All right, before I let you go, in a moment I'm talking about a story about high school sports in Arizona. They are they are lacking officiate, uh, 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 officials because they can't get referees because parents keep berating the officials and they just don't want to take it anymore. Uh, give me a story from your high school days. I want to hear one story of, of Wolfley playing high school football. Hey, listen, you know what, right now, are you kidding me? Just Can I comment more? Sure. Can I just go ahead and comment on the fact that parents ripping these officials, ripping these referees? I mean, you got to be kidding me right now. Is that what it's come to? Is that who we are as a society? Has it gotten that bad? Yes, is the answer to that. And that's a shame, and it should be a blight to all of us. I, listen, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I'm going to talk about that in the next segment of the show. Just wanted to get your comments on it. As always, Wolf, it's great to talk with you, and we'll do it again uh, probably uh, on Friday. Okay, bro. Thanks, man. That is Ron Wolfley, and that is our bird's eye view. Uh, coming up in just a couple of moments, we are going to talk about bad behavior by parents, and uh, it's a great story. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Gotta love James Brown. You gotta love James Brown. All right. Um, this does not sound like a news topic. It sounds like a sports topic. But I can promise you this is absolutely a current events topic. And let me explain. I grew up in an era where sports was king. Pop Warner football, 60 kids trying out for a 30-kid roster and cuts, kids crying at 12 because they didn't make the team. It was serious business where I grew up. And high school football, no different. High school football, and I will say to you, watching really good high school football my whole life and coaching it, and then seeing high school football in Arizona, I will tell you that the elite programs in Arizona could play anywhere in the country. There's no doubt about it. High school football at its highest level in Arizona is every bit as good as it is at its highest level in Texas and Florida and anywhere else. It's just the depth is different. There aren't as many great teams. Um, but I will just, I want to say that because I come from a, this perspective of experience. Um, where it's serious business, where it means a lot. It means a lot to kids and to their parents. But in the end, the greatest coaches I coached with that taught me about coaching taught two main lessons. You win with grace, you lose with dignity. You, um, it's about life lessons. And, you know, I've told this story before about my youngest brother. When he was in high school, I think it was his sophomore year in high school, we had a rival, Pahokee High School over around Lake Okeechobee. Uh, at one time, I believe, had more professional, more professional football players out of that high school than any other high school in the country. This little dot on the map by Lake Okeechobee. 
And Anquan Bolden actually went to that high school. And uh, we were in a game against them to decide who was going into the playoffs. And they returned a punt with like 17 seconds left on the clock to beat us. And it was devastating. There wasn't a dry eye. The coaches were crying. The parents were crying. The players were crying. The next year we went to their field and we beat them 40-6. to We turned it into something. The coaches there were such life lessons people that this was at high school level. It is about the life lessons you teach people. It isn't about wins and losses, although that's always the goal. In the end, you hope to develop young, good young men or good young people. Um, and, and that's what, if you're a good coach, you use whatever sport you're coaching as a tool to help guide young people into becoming good teammates and good competitors and all of those life lessons. If it's just about wins and losses, you're in the wrong business at a high school level. This story about whistleblowers, verbal abuse from fans prompts the AIA officiating shortage. Uh, they are now asking some high school teams to schedule their games on Thursday nights because there's too many games on Friday nights to get all the officials needed on the field to referee the games because they don't have enough officials. And a lot of these officials are saying they're leaving because they're in danger. They have to get police escorts to their car. You are supposed to be the cooler head. Listen, I'm not one of those guys. I'm a hothead when it comes to sports. I hate bad calls. You watch the NFL, but it's different in the NFL. That's their livelihood. Kids are learning lessons in high school. They are learning what adults to be. And when you've got parents in the stands spitting at officials and you're not teaching your kids any lessons, you're just not helping. And when we get so caught up in a sporting event that we're going to physically go after an official, we have to rethink how seriously we're taking sports. I've had to deal with it as a coach. I've had parents furious at me because I wasn't playing their kids or wasn't playing their kids enough. And at some point, you have to realize what you are trying to be is an example. I'll be honest, outside of, of you know, having uh, kids call me dad or, or grandkids call me papa, being called coach is one of the greatest designations I've ever had. And again, I was not a barn burner of a coach. I was an assistant coach in Pop Warner football, a, a head coach in Pop Warner football, and then an assistant coach in high school. And I still have now what are adults with kids of their own playing calling me coach still online. It's one of the most... Um, it's one of the best memories I have. But you realize that what you're trying to teach them is to be good people. Try hard. Do your best to win. Win with grace. Lose with dignity. We're going to argue balls and strikes. We're going to argue calls with officials. But we're not going to be disrespectful. You can call somebody wrong without calling somebody stupid or useless. And when you get that worked up as a parent, what example are you setting to your child who is out there trying to play the game? That when you don't get what you want, you act that way. It's embarrassing. It is absolutely embarrassing. I'm going to talk more about this probably later on in the show because Ron Wolfley made comments, and he's the the voice of Arizona Cardinals from the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports and a professional athlete himself. We'll talk more about it. Coming up in a moment, we talk about Kanye West. Oh, that should be fun.